Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count, and Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights this week in the show. Sky Sports have overpromised and underdelivered once again as Liverpool and United teach us that Man City are probably the best team in the league. Sheffield United were able to call themselves winners for four days this week before resuming normal service against Spurs. The ground staff at Leeds must have missed the memo that FA Cup week's over as Brighton won a crucial match on the most yuck pitch of the season. No Haller, no problem for West Ham. Will team over ever score again and can Harvey Barnes ride the Ringland bump all the way into Gareth Southgate's Euro squad my name's Darren Scott and I'm joined safely and remotely by the boys 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 Bailey Hutchison Chris Ringland how are we <laughs> very good he's on the plane isn't he Chris <laughs> <laughs> four in his last five no, no chance he's making it <laughs> <laughs> since Christmas he's unbelievable yeah, well since Chris made a certain comment oh. <laughs> since Chris made a comment so Premier League was back thank god after last weekend um, we're going to start with West Brom Wolves yeah we are which is a sentence I didn't <laughs> yeah, think I'd are. be saying on this podcast <laughs> I don't think we've ever spoken about either of these two teams in any depth we've definitely um, not spoken about West Brom favourably well, we've definitely spoken about spoke West Brom in that big Sam first match against Liverpool, but possibly not Wolves. Well, yeah, because Wolves have kind of had like a nothing season where they're kind of <laughs> terrible, but they're just better than the really terrible teams. Well, 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 we'll get mm. into it, but they got a brief it's not looking hot for them. Yeah. yeah, they got a brief mention during a horrific injury to their striker, and that's been about the height of it. But, um, but West Brom, I mean, huge win for them in their sort of bid to try and get out of this massive hole that they're in. They, they beat Wolves 3-2. Um, I mean, good game for them. Yeah, so this is the uh, the Black Country Derby. Um, boys, I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> no, that, that, is a, that is a legitimate derby as far as I understand. Apparently, this was Big Sam's team growing up, Wolves. Right. Um, uh, so... Yes, I don't know if it's controversial or not that he went to West Brom. But um, yeah, I don't know if you saw, but I think the highlight of that game must have been when Connor Cody got subbed. Do you see this? Um, so a Con- strange moment. <laughs> well, Connor Cody, if, I don't know if people are aware, but he has basically played every minute that he's been available since they were in the championship. Um, the well-known Liverpool man, um, <laughs> as we saw in another game. Um, and he was playing so badly that he gave, I think he, he either gave away both penalties or one penalty and I a think lot of Bolly gave away the first one yeah well he's basically like he was basically hooked for playing so badly and <laughs> he kind of threw the armband at Willie Bolly and then just went hmm and then kind of shrugged his shoulders and sat down and you could tell he was absolutely seething well he's um, just raging he's not getting his move to Anfield this transfer oh, window yeah <laughs> um but yeah, no, it's not like, I don't know whether people realize this, but since uh, Mr. Jimenez got his injury, Wolves have really uh, dropped off and they're relying very heavily on 
our curly-haired friend up front who's only 18, apparently, called Fabio Silva, who apparently is going to be the next best big striker in Europe. But I haven't Timothy Chalamet lookalike, so he is. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get over it. Like, the, the guy really annoyed. I've seen him a few years ago, because there's years where whenever Chelsea aren't doing too well in the league, I'll watch a bit of youth team football, because right. they're half-decent there. I remember watching this guy for Porto's under-18s, right. And he was phenomenal, like, I'm by far and away the best player in the game I saw. Oh, really? And good finish, I thought. Holds the defender off well, I thought quite sneaky. And then lets himself down big time towards the end of the game with his dive. I it wasn't great, now. Like, how did he think he was getting any form of decision with that? It was horrible. It's when they don't complain after the dive as well. You know, I like they just like they just say, "Oh, well, you know." You say, Chris, that uh, I mean, the Wolves have struggled since Jimenez. I mean, I guess that's partly true, but um, I think it goes back a little further than that. I could be Mm. wrong. I think they were talking something around. I think winless in ten, maybe. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, And they were talking about they were doing a bit of a comparison today during at halftime, full time, about you know, like the goals that they score. Uh, sort of trending downward this season, the goals they concede trending upward, which is typically something that you know I think most fantasy teams would have had Wolves players in them last year because they were pretty solid at keeping clean sheets, and this year they just don't seem to be able to do that at all. Um, obviously, two penalties given away in this game. First one, VAR, it was on the line, so they didn't know whether it was in or out. It was hard to tell, but they opted with um, a penalty. But just sort of, I mean, you would have been, Chris, quite a, a fan of Wolves, the way yeah. they play and stuff like they've just sort of quietly fallen way off it this year. I think I think their issue is um, he, he keeps changing the formation every time because he doesn't know the best team anymore. Because they used to always play that three at the back with Matt Doherty and Johnny mm-hmm. as the two wing backs. Johnny's been injured the whole season and Doherty was sold to Spurs and their replacements, including Mister Nelson Semedo from Barcelona, who doesn't really look good. At all, despite the fact he came in Barcelona, but can't um, do it at Anfield. That's saying, all I know. Yeah, it's not not saying yeah. much these days from Barcelona. Yeah, he, he, I mean, I'm talking like one of the worst in the league. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and uh, like, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand. Their t- and they're, they're relying on like Pedro Neto has been by far their best player, and he's been phenomenal. But he's only twenty. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the recruitment was actually really good in the summer, but I don't think they've actually really stepped up. Is it a case of like? They've just sort of been worked out now. They've been in the league for a few mm. years. They've played that sort of different system for a few years, and now a couple of teams have just worked out how to beat them. And now so, um, yeah. Nuno's kind of gone, okay, what do I do? I need to change something. Yeah, and like they spent a lot of money in the summer. Like I'm pretty sure it was forty million on your man Fabio Silva. Right. Well, he's um, the Jota replacement, really, isn't he? Well, yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of the chat now. They're like, well, why did we sell Jota? Um, you know, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I, I do. It's it's not looking too hot, and if they're not too careful, they could get dragged into. Well, who knows? Well, we know what happened to Arsenal, you know, the other week. So, <laughs> no, that I I think they just got completely big sand this weekend. <laughs> like this was this was a serious big sand masterclass. So it was two penalties <laughs> and a set piece goal. Like the interviews after they were they chatted with Sam first, and he's like. Uh, if you look up and down the the stats, uh, they're not too good from set pieces, and they went. But also don't look at the stats because we're not too good at them either. <laughs> and then there was a great comment. I think Sam's finally sort of got his message through to the players. I think whenever you listen to players and in interviews after, especially on their new manager, 
you can kind of hear the language a manager uses and maybe quotes he uses coming out through the players. And Kyle Bartley, who was fantastic in the game, was in his post-match interview, came out with a line of his long, it was something like, everyone starts the game with one point and you've got to hold on to that and maybe hope you get three. And I was like, that is such the big Sam mentality. That's such of, a big Sam, yeah. <laughs> we, we've got our one point. Let's not lose that. Love that. Greatest league in the world. Uh, we still think West Brom are dying. I don't. You don't? I, I, I said, I said, sure I said the other week, Brighton, Newcastle, um, Sheffield United. Okay. Bailey? Yeah. No, they're still down for me. Okay. I think that they'll have a, they'll have a short spell here and then we'll find out that Big Sam's football is just terrible again. Mm. Listen, enough. let's see who they bring in in January. The only thing that concerns me a little bit about, and I know Sam's only been in the job a couple of weeks, but typically you assume that he comes in and, and he shores it up defensively. I think they've conceded four, five and two um, yes. in the three games that he's that he's played. I, I think, didn't he get a 1-1 a one, one draw at Liverpool and then conceded four, five and, and two um, and that's two against the Wolves side that aren't exactly free flowing and scoring at the moment either. So I just I, I'm concerned they're going to still continue to concede too many goals to stay up. They should just do what Fulham did and literally just replace their whole back four. Yeah, <laughs> in a week. Um, yeah, and we'll get on to Fulham later on. But but before we do, uh, Leicester still quietly going about their business, hanging around the top. Well, not really, well only quietly according to news, of course, um, because as as is clear again, they're clearly in the title race. Um, to, your disappointment. to your disappointment they're clearly in the title race to be in the title race you have to like what? have a realistic chance of winning the title they're currently above Liverpool it doesn't mean they're they're going to realistically have an option to win the title we're halfway through the league no that's a lot aren't no, not, they haven't we, got we've it. seen it last season they haven't got it haven't not got with it. that manager <laughs> no his, his, his ego will get in the way at some point and they also have, you have to remember at some point here, Thursday night football to come back. Not a chance. I mean, well, I mean, it didn't hinder them the first time. I mean, like, you have to admit their squad is better than last season. You know, they brought in, like, um, Castagna and uh, some other players. That I can't remember. <laughs> Fafana. <laughs> uh, sorry, Fafana, yes. Yeah. Uh, and a few others. And they have... And G- I think James Justin's one of the most improved players in the league. He is... Really good at fullback. Um, yeah, I mean, like if they keep going the way they're going, there's there's not really any reason why. The, I mean, the way it's going, and we're talking about United being the, the favourites or whatever at the minute. I mean, I you know, like, well, of course they're in the title race. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, I think anybody who can uh, produce any sort of run of form the second half of the season are probably in the title race. Uh, if you look at the table, I mean, the teams at the top. I mean. They're, What's they're the points difference there? Uh, I think between first and fifth is about four points. Right. Um, but the teams at the top are only they're only winning just over half of their games. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at Manchester United currently are top, they've played eighteen and won eleven. You know, if you look at the, the previous years where teams are really only dropping three or yeah. four games over the course of the season, maybe fourteen, fifteen. Uh, you know, it, it's a race to eighty. If you get to eighty-five points, you'll win the league. What did what did Leicester win it that year with? Was it was it eighty? Just over eighty, I think maybe eighty two, eighty three. Mm. Well, going back, I mean, sort of in the Fergie era, it was always pretty much sort of mid to high eighties, I think. Yeah, it's just been these freakish teams. Yeah, it's just been the past few years, like the standard. There have been teams who have bordered on perfection. Mm-hmm. But there's um, something about Leicester, like 
I, I, I watching them. There's there's two outstanding players in the team for me, and it's Indeedy and Madison. Like by far and away the best players they have, and I just look at them being like, at oh. what point do you two move on? Like, where's the where's your next step? And I think it's a bit. It is on my part a bit disrespectful to Leicester, but I'm like, at what point do you two make that next step to an elite level club, which they they can completely play at? Like they are Champions League quality players. Those two. They also have a twenty plus goal a season striker, which makes a big difference as well. Ah, but he's like thirty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in terms of contending for a title, he's different. His fitness is different. Um, I'll give you Ndidi is going to play. Ndidi is definitely going to play at a higher level. I don't. I don't. I don't know if Madison is as good as you're making him. Well, at this stage, anyway. I don't know. I mean, like great finish in this game. Well, it was, but I mean, if you have him in Grealish at the minute, you know, this season, like I know, I'd rather have. I don't know. Oh, you'd rather have Mason Mount. I respect that. <laughs> I honestly would have both of them ahead of Mason Mount. I'm not even if I, if I was Southgate, that, that is what I would do. Uh, something I wanted to give Leicester a little bit of credit for is um, James Madison after his goal, uh, which Fuck. I think, to be fair, was awful defending from Jack Stevens. But um, you know, to choreograph a socially distanced celebration, PFA will be loving it. I hear it. Exactly. I'd be getting a fair play award or something here. Mm. Big fan. It was, the, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, well, I think what? the only thing that ruined it was after he did it, then somebody came and hugged him. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like, well, you know, like, I mean, not the, like, like I mean, all for lockdown, etc. But, like, <laughs> if, if they are Chris. negative, if they are negative, like, well, I mean, they're negative. I don't know. Is that not fair? I don't know. I'm not a medical expert. I would never claim to be. Uh, All I know is that the PFA have been telling them, lads, can we stop touching each other, please? Because I I, I have to remember, it's a tough time for footballers. It is. A few commentators this weekend. Like these boys are really going through it. Like we have to feel sorry for these guys. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's the mixed messages as well. Like because nobody has like agreed in football. Do we high five? Do we not high five? There's just sort of a lot of quite funny situations arising yeah. like i think there was a the crystal palace arsenal game last week arteta came out and as he went over to the palace boys you know he went for the elbow and he uh-huh. was you know touching everybody and roy hodgson i'll give him an elbow i'll give the assistant manager an elbow and they all had a bit of a laugh about it and then roy hodgson touched his head put his hand on arteta's head and you're like well that defeats the purpose of the elbow if you're then going to touch him um and there's just a lot of that really at the moment like they talk about cam and i've noticed that Players who score frequently tend to be happier doing a reserved celebration. I can. Like yeah, Harry Kane yeah, diving yeah, header yeah. didn't care. It was like, let's get back to the <laughs> halfway like, line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, equally, before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've not seen the game. At, at time of recording, Manchester City has just finished. Um, I've not seen it. I don't think you guys have seen it either. I hear John Stones has scored twice. I would imagine he's not socially distanced in his celebration. No, absolutely not. Um, First goal since 2015 or something in the league. <laughs> you know? Like like buses. You wait years for one to come at once. <laughs> um, one shocking scene though in this game. Shocking. You always have the people going against uh, players wearing gloves at certain times of years. I'm all for players wearing gloves. No bother. As long as they're just plain black woolly gloves. Diallo <laughs> yes. wore those like yeah. wide receiver Under Armour gloves. The Hasenhudel gloves. That Hasenhudel wears. Not <laughs> He's about dishing that them at out. All. He's dishing I'm them not out. About that. 
You're playing on the wing. You're not catching an American football. Why is up? He's center mid. Center mid. <laughs> and he's he's got gloves. He's got gloves like the Spider-Man web grips. Exactly. Take them off. Wear something proper if you're going to wear gloves. Why up? My issue with gloves as well is the number of players that I think... Um, I think maybe a couple of the United boys today where I'm sure Liverpool ones were as well. People who wear gloves but no undershirt. <laughs> That makes I no sense to me. That. It's yeah. like, if you're going to put gloves on, you need to have either a long sleeve top on or an undershirt. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, what's the process with which Diallo gets the Hasenhuel gloves? I mean, does, does Hasenhuel specifically seek Diallo out, call him in for a meeting? Listen, mate, I've got, I've got these gloves <laughs> here and you know, they will make you play better. I mean, I mean, no one else believes me and nobody else wears them, but I, I reckon you, you could start something here. Well, it's I mean, like, well, it could be like a video game thing where it's like a I, random object gives you an attribute increase despite it having no direct correlation to what you do. Yeah, or like, a, like an unlockable where he's had to have reached like a certain amount of stats throughout the year. Like he's had to have run like a certain distance or yeah. made a certain amount of tackle. It's like you have now unlocked the Hassan Hoodle gloves. Congratulations. <laughs> I also like the idea of maybe it being like a thing at Southampton, you know, that uh, the star performer of the week gets the gloves for the next week and it's sort of like this internal competition thing between all of them. It's just who you know whoever comes out in the pitch wearing them, like he's been the golden boy that week in training. It's like primary school stuff. (laughs) You know, well done, Connor. Connor's got the golden star this week. Oh, mate, the Allo's hogging them. (laughs) Oh yeah, he forgets to bring conveniently forgets to bring them back one day. Oh, yeah, so the house. Oh, no one else can have them. Well, it'll be interesting to see if he has them next week or if if they've been passed on to somebody else. Really? Um, Fulham, Chelsea. Uh, Fulham kind of were on a bit of a. a good, I think they had five draws on the bounce. I said that they were no longer relegated because they were weaponizing COVID, and I was all about that. Um, <laughs> probably more seriously, it's probably probably something to do with the fact that Scott Parker's changed the shape and defence. Um, and se- several personnel. S- several personnel. <laughs> several personnel. Um, I mean, Chelsea won the game one nil, uh, and I think Fulham played the entire second half with ten men. But even at that, I think by all accounts, Fulham made it pretty bloody difficult for Chelsea. I'm so, like, I have so many mixed feelings about this game. Like a lot. As you say Fulham? Th- this was the only thing that got me this morning thinking somewhat positively about the game because as you say Fulham have had a half decent run before Chelsea so they drew against Liverpool drew against Brighton Newcastle Southampton and then Spurs during the week so they have sort of fixed what was going wrong where they were just getting pummeled at the back but Chelsea were not good in this game at all the only player that was good and people will be ready for this bit of propaganda was Mason Mount he's the oh, only Chelsea on, player. Yeah. He was the only Chelsea player. Mm-hmm. Hudson Odoi came on. He was the only Chelsea player who started, who I thought was any good. And then Callum came on, started trying things, got a few passes going, and then a bit of awful goalkeeping from Ariola. Yeah, just put someone on play for Mason Mount. Like this was a terrible bit of goalkeeping, which is weird because f- he'd done really well up until that point. He had one of them in the first half where he sort of flapped it back out in the danger dangerous area, but other than that. He had a very good game, a lot of good saves, and then just lets his team down massively. Mm. He's a bit he's a lot of calibre. He was in the France squad when they won the World Cup, and he played for Real Madrid and PSG, I think. Yeah. Real I mean, he, like, he's, made, that. <laughs> he's made a bit of a... I mean, he's been good. This this run where you talked about where they've had a few draws, I mean, he's been you know, key to those, and I think 
you know, having that has helped them. And I, I think they've kind of settled on a team now. Um, they've got kind of a back five that's fairly established. Tete came in, created a couple of great yeah, chances for, for Cavallero yeah. and Lukman in the first that half. That one that, for Cavallero was a great ball. Yeah. Yeah, he's not, yeah. Hilarious finish, yeah, but a great yeah. ball. <laughs> yeah, well, Cavallero, we've talked about him before, taking penalties and things, can't seem yeah. to get the footing mm. right. Um, <laughs> Bang off the left. I, I suppose the biggest talking point was probably the, the Anthony Robinson red card, which at the time the commentary team were pretty adamant that it's a Stonewall red card, no negotiation about it. Um, and we, we were chatting about this a little bit off air. We thought it was a little harsh for a red card. No way, no way it was a red card. <laughs> Chris wasn't no, about no this at all. I what a joke. Well, he didn't. He went in. It was a, for context. He he went in. It was a heavy challenge. He went in at pace, and it, it was a little bit reckless. But there was no. He didn't make contact with Cesar Aspilicueta. He didn't uh, make contact with his studs. He didn't catch him. You know, on his standing leg with that horrible straight leg leg break style tackle. He caught him more with his trail leg, and and we'd also said maybe it was you know more the acoustics from Aspilicueta that that sort of made the referee's decision for him because he was quite. Mm loud and rolled about the ground a little bit and let you know when he gets kicked what a guy I've been calling out for this from this Chelsea team for a while and as Pelicueta as much as I love him hasn't been great but there was two moments in this game where I thought he was fantastic and I complained about after the Man City game where I said this Chelsea team are a bunch of nice boys that bit of slyness to Gurn whenever he got tackled by Robinson I thought it was fantastic. And then there was a moment later on where Film had a half-decent dangerous counter-attack where he just hugs Caviero on his run-through, completely wipes oh, wow. him out, goes, I'll take the booking. Great, great bit of dark arts from him. But the more I've watched that Robinson tackle, the more I've gone, yeah, that was a that was a red. Fuck. <laughs> it's a physical game, isn't it, Chris? Um, yeah, it's a contact sport. Come on. <laughs> This is man what? football wise up. <laughs> Listen, and I think I, I really like Lookman. I think he's really dangerous. Yeah, uh, creates some good chances, scores a few goals. Um, I think he Certainly. helps them as well because that I I think that's the biggest difference. I think all the teams down the bottom end of the se- or the bottom end of the table. I think they're all going to concede goals over the course of the season. There's pretty much no avoiding it. I think the difference is how many can you score. Mm. I really think that's what keeps you up. Um, yep. And Fulham have him and. I suppose Cavalier to a lesser extent, but they've got some creative boys around them, Tete, Zambo and Gisa and stuff. Probably like just stack right over. Really. Yeah, just uh, I think there's guys in there that can get them enough goals to keep them up. Bobby Reid, whose sister is a member of Parliament, as we were told on Saturday night by the Sky Sports team. Yeah, there's a bit of... So we talk, it wasn't a great game, I think it's fair <laughs> to say, the Fulham-Chelsea match. Uh, it was not a great game, and, and that left Jamie Carragher and Martin Tyler to, to fill some time uh, with yeah. some political... Uh, conversations um, and some terrible banter around that I think it has to be said mm. it, it, killed, it, it me wasn't inside. killed me inside this this is Saturday night football not news night come on and then there was some banter about like oh which constituency is she in is she near my house and all this yeah. stuff oh, did, did you vote for her Martin uh, oh dear <laughs> <laughs> get Martin Tyler off commentary <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talked about it there Billy going on to Liverpool Manchester United um, I think I said in the intro over promised and under delivered by Sky once again the amount of hype 
that went into this game. It was a top of the table clash all week on Sky Sports. All I've seen is, uh, you know, Liverpool Manchester United 2011, Liverpool Manchester United 2012. These, you know, uh, real clash of titans type games that they built up, and not for the first time this season. And my guess would be not for the last. Uh, it's an absolutely terrible, dire nil nil performance uh, from both teams. Yeah. Uh, and I think I said as well, probably just showed that City are probably a little bit better than everyone. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. This is like, this is Jose Mourinho's fault. Jose oh, Mourinho has blood, blood on his hands oh, for right, three okay. results I've seen this season. Oh. When Spurs went to Old Trafford and slapped that lot about, <clears throat> since then, Ollie's wised up to these big games, and I've now watched three dire nil-nils between... Man United and Liverpool, Man United and Chelsea, and Man United and Man City. And it stems back to that 6-2 because they don't want that to happen again. Man United should have won this game today. Yeah, I think... um, Well, I think, you know, it could have been, and we're maybe, you know, critiquing them and getting a little bit too harsh, it could have been just that both teams were very socially aware and uh, both clubs wanted not to score and therefore limit the risk of spreading coronavirus by touching each other in celebrations. I think the PFA PFA would be thrilled if that was the case. Absolutely. Um, I think more realistically, it was probably a case of two reasonable defences, two defences that played pretty well against two attacking units that were both pretty awful. Um, I think Luke Shaw was unbelievable. I think Wan-Bissaka had a brilliant game. Maguire and Lindelof were okay. They didn't have too much to do. And then at the other end, I think Henderson and Fabinho at centre-back for Liverpool played Rashford, Martial and then um, Cavani. I think they played them really well. Bruno Fernandes as well, uh, because we'll get on to him. He won the um, Player of the Month award. Uh, Oh, Suchek not good. No, he didn't, and West Ham fans weren't happy, but he won it for December, which makes it four times in a calendar year, which is an individual record, and we know that's what Bruno lives for. Absolutely. Um, it's an individual game. So it, is. it was a, a real highlight for me of watching the game, seeing the tantrum that he threw when he got subbed off. Well, can, can we discuss mm. this? Can we discuss this? That. Because, I mean, Darren, if there was any clear of evidence that he is all about himself, it was that. So, yeah. like, I, I mean, like, I, I loved how how much he threw himself in the mud. So McTominay was injured, or like, he, but they were going to sub Bruno Fernandes. Um, so then Wijnaldum said, can you get off because you're being subbed? <laughs> and Bruno was like, mate, McTominay's injured. I mean, like, sh- like shouting in his face. And then Wijnaldum was like, oh, get off. You're the one being subbed. And then McTominay <laughs> came back on. And then Wijnaldum was actually subbed before this, but then Bruno end- ended up being subbed. Yeah. And he was absolutely livid. That way, Schnellum ended up being right. <laughs> it was a real random flare-up, like yeah. between the two. Like nothing all game suggested that there should have been that kind of bite. No, it was Bruno very always calm. Like oh, the yeah, only thing for me, I... leadership. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing for me, I don't really mind if a player gets too annoyed when they're being subbed. I kind of think it's a good thing. Um, but what I didn't like was kind of how. That sort of aggressive swipe at Mason Greenwood put the hand out for a high five as he was that. coming on, and he Saw sort of that. like slapped it away. It was a, it was borderline disrespectful. And I was like, mm, that's yeah, where I like, don't like it. That's your yeah. teammate. He's yeah, coming on. Last team in the game. Come on here. You know. and, and I think Van der Beek's Man United career was summed up when uh, when Martin Tyler, whoever like mentioned him in the comments, you know, oh like maybe you'll bring him on, and then the camera panned to Mason Greenwood. Yeah. So, so they can't even recognize him on the bench. Well, I said this to both of you guys um, 
I was thrilled to see Donny van der Beek on the bench because with the amount of grief that I've given him on this show over the last 14 or 15 episodes, I fully expected him to come on, produce a 10 out of 10 performance, probably score a goal, win the game, and that would have been exactly what I deserved. Um, so I was thrilled to see him not involved in the squad in any way, shape or form. Oh, Ollie doesn't listen to that pod. That was written. Like, that script was written down that Donny van der Beek was going to just ruin your weekend. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, like I don't know if I'm being brutal. I'm still not convinced that he's in charge. I'm still not convinced that them being in this position that they're in is down to his good management. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not convinced. Who is in charge then? Pogba's agent. Well, well, that's the thing, Bailey. Because I mean, we haven't heard much from Pogba's agent in the months preceding now that they're actually in a title race. I haven't heard much from his agent about he has to leave in January, you know, anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, Pogba's the ultimate feel-good player. When things are going well, he's happy enough to get in and around the boys. And when things are going badly, he wants nothing to do with it. At the moment, <laughs> yeah. Manchester United, things are going well. They're top of the table. They're in a title race. All of a sudden, Paul Pogba's happy to play. Smile on his face, loving getting wins, interviews after the game. He's all smiles. You know, he's a different guy when things are going well. I did I, notice I, that after the last game, whenever yeah. he scored. Like, he... It was the first time I've seen him be interviewed in forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so bizarre. Like, I it is weird to speak. speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, where does that leave both of these? I think, to be fair, sorry, talking about it, uh, like, do you think either team deserved to win it? United, I thought, had two or three glimpses yeah. where they probably could have nicked it. But then I think whenever by the best goalkeeper in the world, which is what Alison Becker wow. is. He will make wow. saves like that that will get you points. Mm-hmm. And he should, there's a lot of time for Liverpool will go out and just kill teams so you don't notice how good he is. Yeah. And then there's performances like this where maybe you have to dig in a little bit. Your back four has Jordan Henderson in it, who shouldn't be there. Needs must in it. And it was real shame that Jordan Henderson played on the side of Robertson and not the side of Alexander Arnold because I think Liverpool would have been in trouble there, which yeah. I was really hoping for. But uh, I think yeah. it was unbelievable, Alison. I so mean, I thought fair result. I was speaking to a few people before the game. Um, you know, some people that Trisley, I didn't even know they liked football, but all of a sudden they do, and they're Man United fans. And I thought, nice to see them again. Oh, don't. Um, <laughs> don't. But, uh, but I was speaking to a few people before the game who, who, you know, United fans who were kind of quietly confident. And I said this to you guys it's probably uh, as worried as I've been watching Liverpool play at Anfield in probably four or five years. I thought Liverpool were completely there for the taking when I saw the lineup the form that United are in, I thought, oh God, you know, this could this could be the end of that Anfield streak. And to be honest, I was quite happy to see the, the way United came out. I, I was surprised that they were dropping as deep it's as they were. It's counter. Yeah. yeah, and I get that that's worked for them in the past away from home, but I just thought they would be a little bit more positive mm. uh, in that first half. I think Liverpool had close to 70% possession in the first half and were really dictating the pace and the tempo of the game. And although they weren't creating anything, they weren't under much pressure themselves until sort of the tail end of the second half um, and I was thrilled to see that because going into the game I was really worried about it I think if I was honest I think I probably would have taken a nil-nil before the game and well, that really <laughs> is probably the biggest compliment that you can give to how far United have come uh, in the last couple of months and equally you know just this period that Liverpool are in where they're just struggling I mean that's three games without scoring a goal which is like unheard of yeah um, 
yeah, two two last thing on Liverpool. I thought Thiago was a class above everyone on the pitch. Oh, I love he, him. He is. Huge mistake from Barcelona that ever let him go. <sighs> well, I, I mean, yeah, the guy, the guy is elite. He's the classiest um, guy on the pitch. Like, yeah, absolutely. I think a big part of the issue is Trent Alexander-Arnold this season has not been anywhere near the level that he's been at the last Agree couple of years, and Agree that you know he's a huge source of of their of creativity, I suppose, for feeding the front three, which he isn't doing very well. I also think it doesn't help when you've had to move Fabinho and Jordan Henderson now back in the defence because that then changes about the midfield. Sure, you've got the mountain you could play. Well, when Alden and Thiago. <laughs> have never really... Today was the first day that they'd ever played together, so the front three are also having Fuck, to I, learn I'm not having that. about I'm not that. Having that. No, but it's just completely different patterns of they, play. People, sorry, different Wait, styles Neldum of play. Wijnaldum and Thiago can play with each other. But the today's the they haven't. But they haven't, Christopher. <laughs> people still have to play together to work each other out, work out what people like Fuck, to do, what ways they like to play. Hang, hang on a This second. is Chris as your footballers. Just hang on. This is complete, it's completely on. normal. Wijnaldum is one of the best centre midfielders uh, in the world, and Thiago is elite. Are you saying they can't perform well on their debut together? No, I'm not saying that at all, because they did perform well, but what I'm saying is the front three need to get used to their timings. It's timings of runs in behind as to when those players want to play the ball. It's learning all of these things. That's completely natural in an elite-level team. You have to learn the way that team want to play. No team is ever at their best when their players are playing together for the first time. I... I, I, I don't know about that, to be honest. You're no, so think, wrong. Yeah. It's unbelievable yeah. right now. I watched this weekend week out with Chelsea. It's yeah, well, you brought thing. in about 17 players. But again, once you farm out. So, so you're already just country, So it's fine for Chelsea? No, because you're, you're so wrong. You're so all wrong. Season, and they trained all season. You're was, so wrong. Thiago's been out injured. Thiago's out injured. Not out injured. Had coronavirus when he first turned up, then got injured. He trained all year as well. Why is Naldum and Thiago can play well on the first time? They yeah, play. play I didn't say they couldn't play well. Again, this is you missing the point. <laughs> no, is it, no, this is you misconstruing what you said to back yourself. No, not that at all. I is. said the front absolutely three. Is. The the point that I was making is that the front three have to get used to the way their new midfield that they haven't played with before like to operate because that it, dictates there, how it, they, they play the same formation for about five years. It's different I mean, players. Oh come on! It, it's Thiago Alcantara. Thiago like, Alcantara, Wijnaldum, and Shakiri in midfield today. We, we, well, that, well, you didn't have to play Shakiri. We know, Shakiri how, did we, know well. how, we know how good Shakiri is. YouTube footballer. <laughs> right. Whilst you take finish up arguing, Darren made a good point there. It's been quite weird and quite funny this week. Chris, you'll know this. We, as fans of other teams to Liverpool for a few years, we. We were always scared about the reaction of what would happen should Liverpool ever win a league again. Absolutely. You know, we were, we were terrified. We were like, oh, this terrified. is such melt, you know, all this. And to be, to be fair, Liverpool fans, they actually weren't too bad. And I'm going to compare this to one week of seeing Manchester United being near the top of the table to the nonsense from their fans this week, celebrating and getting on like they've won it. You said they're you're just appearing back from the dead. That's not getting too confident. I've not enjoyed it one bit. What? What? what, what where, have you, where have you been seeing this, Billy? Just a lot of stuff on Twitter. A lot of remember that Rio Ferdinand, uh, Ollie's at the wheel, man kind of comments. Oh, all that they're trying to chirp no. up of. Oh, we're we're finally back here. Oh, Pog was back. We're gonna win it. Oh, we're successful team in the league. Nah, why is that? <laughs> 
Listen, you're all you're all you're all awful, and I want us villains Southampton to make top four. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that, champ. Um, <laughs> Three points off. Same points as Chelsea. Chelsea's um, not getting up. One other game we wanted to very quickly talk about before we move on to In the Mud was um, Leeds-Brighton. And the oh, reason that I no. want to bring this up, Brighton uh, did win. Well, the reason I want to bring this up is mainly to annoy Christopher. And that is oh. that uh, Brighton picked up a win, um, which I suppose is huge for them. Second win since September in the in the league. Um, important Could be an important one come the end of the year if it keeps them up. Um, my only thought on this game is that Leeds' pitch was an absolute disgrace. <laughs> now, Third round stuff. I understand that I believe the area was hit with some unfavourable weather conditions. Um, am I being slightly unreasonable? Probably. But they should be docked points for that pitch. No, this is the Premier League. That because that is acceptable. not on at all. Ellen Road, like... That, they, that pitch hadn't been cut, again, probably because of weather, and I take that on board, hadn't been cut and was getting torn apart by the players when they were playing. The ball was bobbling. It was an amateur league surface. Yeah. And they should have been docked points. I also thought, you know, we've talked a little bit about players kind of doing these reserved celebrations. And again, it may be fueled by the fact that we don't like Neil Mopé, but I thought to run and do a knee slide celebration when he scored from one yard out was a little bit over the top and it was made all the more better by the rest of his teammates not going to join him in the celebration. This was a very Mopé game. Like, it was about (laughs) 10 minutes before, the the guy tried to win a penalty by diving. Yeah, I saw this. Never in a million... Like, I don't even know what he was thinking. Like, what, he, players don't get booked for diving now. Which made no sense because had he stood in his feet, he had a reasonable chance at scoring. Yeah. And then dives, the referee goes, oh, not, not a penalty, and then doesn't book him. And you're like, no, 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 hang on a second. That that guy's tried to cheat. That's yeah. a blatant yeah. yellow card. And then this is where Mopé... If fans had been there as well, especially Leeds fans, oh, got yeah. on his back, mm-hmm. and then what does he do? Ten minutes later, goes and scores. Yeah, oh, bad defending. It was horrible. I'm shocked. Just, what do you call Ealing? Is it? Oh, Ealing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stands and looks at it. Doesn't move <laughs> for about ten seconds. I'm just looking at a photo actually right now. of the moment he taps it in, yeah. yeah, these Leeds boys are being yeah. It's Ealing's face. It's Ealing's face when the ball gets squared across goal, and he turns to see what's happening and sees Mope there to tap it in. And you just see this sort of look come over him. He goes, "Oh shit, that's my man." Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually. The analysis of this game must have been hilarious for pundits to try and decide what way to talk about it because these are the two biggest teams for the, the comments of oh they played well today but and deserve more but didn't get yes. the win. Yes, two teams that have done that all <laughs> season, the two yes. biggest, and unfortunately one of them's had to lose and Leeds weren't good enough to win it at all mm. to make um, that comment of oh they should have got more from it. No, Bailey, <laughs> <laughs> who's who's in the mud this week? Uh, investments and one one gentleman in particular uh, there's a guy who threw away his laptop hard drive containing bitcoin that he mm. now believes is worth about 210 million pounds and he Millions. wants his council million with an M and he wants his council to let him search it for it in the landfill so this guy, obviously this isn't football related yet. where's this? This is in Newport in South Wales. Uh, so James Howell had 7,500 Bitcoin on his hard drive, which he decided in 2013 to throw away. But he's now said he's willing to donate uh, 25% of the value of this 
to his uh, city council. Around 50 million it's worth if the hard drive's found. No questions asked, by the way, is what he, <laughs> what he says. So I kind of thought this was a good opportunity to kind of look at footballers and their investments because we know football's a short but kind of lucrative career. Like most finish, if you're lucky, you'll play until you're about 40 and then you'll see what you're going to do. There's a lot of life left to live. Uh, probably a hefty bank account sat with you. So I thought, let's look at some examples of what footballers have done with their money. Obviously, the ones that haven't gone in the punditry management. So first, uh, I was thinking of Jesse Lingard, the famous example, uh, mainly due to the heated Roy Keane reaction <laughs> in 2018, uh, where Roy uh, said, uh, Jesse uh, created a clothing line, the J. Ling's clothing brand, and Roy famously said, do it before Fulham, not Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, he, actually? Yeah, he launched it in the week <laughs> leading up to the Manchester United Liverpool. An all-time move. Like, how dumb do you have to be? So yeah, Roy believed, do it before film, and uh, the J-Ling's clothing brand would go on to lose uh, £200,000 its first year, according to company accounts. It probably isn't too big a hit to Jesse, like I imagine he no. was on somewhat so decent not. money then, but again, losing money. Uh, secondly, on to Matthew Flamini, uh, probably a famous example yes. of football investments. I wonder uh, if you're going to bring him up. Yeah, He was uh, recognised in 2018 as one of the 100 most promising business leaders on the planet, according to the World Economic Forum. Uh, that's because his company, GF Biochemicals, became the first company to mass-produce uh, a certain acid, which is a sustainable oil substitute that can be used in plastics, solvents and the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, this company uh, at the time, uh, around the time this article was written on, on it in 2018, was valued at 20 billion euros. What? Billion? Because, uh, billion. Uh, the company, uh, the acid they produce was named as one of the 12 uh, biochemicals most likely uh, to produce value by the US Department of Energy. So yeah, this was big the world goes on, and Flipping you know, heck, yeah. and like oil and stuff and renewables. Yeah, twenty yeah, yeah. billion. A bit, bit of COVID as well, you can deal with big money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one, bit, bit left field. This one, I actually hadn't heard of this. Ryan Bertrand, uh, famous for uh, making his day, uh, his Champions League debut in a final. <laughs> he has his, he has his eye on the future after founding a financial brokerage firm. Uh, called Silicon Markets with uh, his friend Louis Bell, who he played with at a Gillingham youth team. Uh, the company's based in London's Canary Wharf and was uh, set up with the aim of revolutionising retail stock market trading with a bespoke offering of advanced machine learning and AI software. A bit like, didn't have Ramper trying down for... That's just a lot of... of business buzzwords <laughs> and as, like as somebody who you know has a, de- has a degree in business management i'm all about that that is she's just hit the main ones there yeah. ai yeah. oh yeah yeah revolution spoke all this yeah. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely uh, Asked about his reason for his involvement in this firm and why he launched it, uh, Bertrand said, I kind of wanted to go against the grain. The traditional footballer who reached perhaps mid-30s stops and then thinks, what am I going to do now? Uh, so uh, he began trading whenever he was 18 and decided to get involved in this. So fair play to him. He's, it's a very different path. And then uh, finally, um, my, my favourite one out of all these, uh, Thomas Miller. 
Yes. Bayern, <laughs> Bayern Munich star and voice of Kermit the Frog. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Miller is ready to become a horse sperm millionaire by selling horse semen online. Yes, this is what uh, I imagine I would be doing whenever I set up a football podcast is talking about horse semen. Uh, so for several years, uh, Thomas and his wife Lisa, who is a champion dressage rider, have been running a stud farm called Gut Vedelkam, which is located uh, 20 miles south of Munich. I love that it's called their a stud farm. Stud farm, yeah. Uh, their breeding, their stud farm, it says breeding farm, but I'll use stud again. Yeah, please their do. Their stud farm <laughs> has been chosen as the official EU ratified insemination station for uh, <laughs> dressage horses from 2021. Uh, this means uh, breeders can order semen from three stallions, four roses is the name of one, Bowmore, and the other is called Davy, spelled D apostrophe A V I E. It's probably spelled like Davy, but I prefer Davy as the name of the horse. Davy. Davy. And uh, Bild, the German newspaper, uh, reported that oh. an insemination of the double world champion Davy costs 1600 euro. Nice. But, but, but sorry, what, what's the what to like get to like build racehorses? Is that is that why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People oh, people right. will pay Thomas for the horse sperm of one of these to then hopefully build a champion racehorse in the future and make their own money that way. Yeah, real weird, big left turn from Thomas Miller. It is a weird football. one. Uh, it was an interesting headline. It's certainly a click grabbing headline. Mm. Um, I think Thomas maybe missed a trick. He really should have been naming the horses after perhaps Bayern Munich Champions League winners. Um, again, from a click <laughs> perspective, you know, if he could sell it, he, say that he was selling Lewandowski's sperm, but then Lewandowski <laughs> turned out to be a horse, I think that would be um, a better marketing ploy if you wanted to go for that. Um, but yeah, definitely a weird one. Uh, you were talking about the guy in Newport who, who's lost the, the Bitcoin in the in the landfill site which is literally that is mud. that is a tv show waiting to happen you get a bunch <laughs> of people in whoever finds it keeps it yeah there's high stakes like, game show a, a future uh a future series of that show time team where they mm. go on like arche- <laughs> archaeological digs one day they're just going to come along a hard drive yeah. with seven thousand bitcoin sat on it i love the but, idea of it being like a hunger games where you throw a bunch of people into this landfill site no rules whoever gets the hard drive keeps it yeah, you, get interviews, you get interviews after. Oh, it was a tough day today. All I found was a few nails and a spanner. <laughs> and then the winner has enough money to buy some horse semen from Bayern Munich forward Thomas Miller. And Great. the circle continues. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Well, thanks very much for that, boys. I think that brings us to the end of today. Uh, just sort of a bit of an admin point. We haven't actually spoke about this, but I don't know if you've looked at the Premier League schedule, but it's an absolute mess. So bear, of bear with me here. The weekend that we've just watched, that was game week 19. During this week coming, on Tuesday and Wednesday, there are game week 18 matches. On Wednesday, there's also a game week 1 match. Next Saturday, there's a game week 11 match. And then game week 20 is played midweek after that. It's a complete mess. Oh my! So in terms of what we're going to do, 
I think we're not going to fight the schedule. We're going to continue to release episodes on a Wednesday. If that means that we've missed games or that games don't get their proper analysis, I think we're just going to have to roll with it because and people can just jump back and forth with us because there's no way that we can conceivably move things around to fit this ridiculous schedule. I, I think we have to do what Mourinho did to Scott Parker, where because yes. Fulham were the reason that game got moved, Mourinho said they should apologise to us. Mm-hmm. So I think anyone who expects us to release maybe a bit more and analyse more games, they should have to say sorry to us three. Yeah, <laughs> because there's a million of these things going on. I think on. it's just going to be the case that when we release, it is likely that other things will have happened. Time will have moved on in mm. that little grey area between us recording and us releasing. And um, it's just a heads up for people in the coming weeks that uh, you're just going to have to accept it. Because uh, <laughs> there's nothing we can do. Premier League's fault. Anyway... Thank you both for your time. Good night. See you next week.